This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, today we've got Todd Talbot. Yeah. A celebrity. The, the Todd Talbot celebrity realtor, host of Love It or List It Vancouver. Um, he's he's all so, around. Many, so many things. He wears, Todd the Talbot. man who wears a lot of hats. He wears a lot of hats, but his hair's too good to actually wear a hat. That's, he would never grace his head with the a hat. Perfect that's quaff. for sure. No, it's, uh, it is. It's it's almost unbelievable. It is. It is. And the one thing that I did really, like last time we had Todd on the show, I thought, you know what, Matt and I should really get in shape for the next time we're going to have Todd on the show just because, you know, it, it was... Uh, we did not. We did not. And it was, you know, it was two uh, guys... Two plus that, years ago that we had him on, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and you yeah, know, it's always a little uh, intimidating... Um, Sitting across the table from Todd Talbot. Well, you know what? He's He's got celebrity wattage. He uh, does. Charisma. The guy glows. A, mag, a magnetism about him. He's about uh, nine feet tall. He is. He's, he's uh, way taller in person. He's no, a, he's, he's, he's what, 6'2", probably? He's, he's probably the, the He's taller than height. you'd think. He's probably Brad Pitt height. I would suspect Brad Pitt height, yeah. George yeah. Clooney-ish? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, still, though, he looks younger than both of them, and he's yeah. in better shape. Arguably. Are we pumping his tires enough? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's, it's an exciting program. It's great to have Todd back on the yeah, show. Yeah, we're super excited. But before we get to our interview with Todd Talbot. Happy 420 day. Yeah, we got to talk about some pot here. Um, and, and that's the big announcement today is pot is now legal in Canada. And that means uh, a lot of things for a lot of people. It does. For you, it means you can get that pain in control. Yeah. 
your your glaucoma dealt with. Um, but uh, but finally, finally, but <laughs> but for for one thing that it means for people that buy and sell real estate in Vancouver and BC is that it means that you're going to have to really start putting something into your tenancy agreement. We're now in a situation where you can grow up to four plants. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. In BC, my sense is that most people are probably going to grow more than four plants. That would, that would just, be... Just guessing. You, you know what? I feel like if you take uh, the energy to figure out how to grow marijuana properly, you're probably looking at growing more than four yeah. plants. If you're, if you're reading a, an early publication of Gregor Mendel and, and trying to figure out how to best hybrid this plant, you are definitely going to grow more than four plants. Right. It's not worth the, worth the effort. And, and here's the thing, right? Because up until today, it was just straight illegal. So if you had a tenant that was uh, a botanist, sure. uh, you know, that's grounds to evict them. They're they're breaking the law in your in your um, in your condo in or your, your suite. House. Yeah, I should yeah. say. But now there's a little bit more of a gray area. Uh, who, but like we said, we're pretty sure that they'll still be uh, breaking the law at four plants. So what do you do? So what do you do so that you don't end up in a situation where you have a grow up on your hand, an illegal right. grow up? Now you have to disclose it in the PDS, the property condition disclosure statement. It creates. A whole bunch of issues for well, lenders, insurers, and the list goes on, right? Yeah, well, stigma. It also can really damage your unit. It can incredibly damage your unit. Yeah, we're talking about a risk of fire. We're talking about damage to the suite, of, like water ingress, mold issues. There's, there's, you know, Electrical never mind issues, if, yeah. if, I mean, if it's, you disturb it's other huge. tenants or other owners in the building. Yeah. It can create bylaw infractions. So there's a whole bunch of things that you need to consider. So what we're going to do is... For landlords, we're going to have a clause on our website. It's from Landlord BC, and it's something that you should be putting into your tenancy agreements from this point forward just to protect you. And we will say we are not property managers, so we consult a property manager um, for more information on this. But we will make sure that the clause is, is available so that you can start from there and then work off of that clause. Does that 100%. make sense? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a useful clause to have and to consider when you're trying to sort out how to draw up your tenancy agreement. And the only other advice that we'll give you is that you should definitely, and something that that I do um, in my rental agreements is I make sure that I can come and visit the property on a a three-month basis or on a six-month basis, and I never exercise that option, partly because I'm... uh, Well, even for insurance, you should though, right? You should. Yeah, you should absolutely be be checking out your your suites. And I I actually have been doing that, and I've been doing it more. uh, And the reason I've been, I'm not saying actually, hey, I'm here to just take a look around but there's always a reason i need to come over you know yeah. uh, i need to check the, fuse, <laughs> check the fuse box yeah. something like that you something know? well and furnace you know, filter you know what the thing is though is that it's not even if you have that into your clauses in your tenancy agreement that you have the right to come and visit the property say on every six months or so it's not even exercising it it's the fact that the tenant knows that you might be checking that's enough usually for most people not to create a grow up environment Right? 100%. So, uh, yeah, uh, enough about weed. Let's uh, chat with Todd Talbot. This is a good one, guys. Well, this is interesting so far. (laughs) That's what they call. You know, there's nothing better than a than a uh, 
a podcast of dead air, folks. Hey, tune in next week for No Sounds with Todd Talbot. It's like we have a 45-minute conversation, and then it's like... And record and quiet. (laughs) No, uh, maybe we'll just roll right into it. What do you think? We're we're here with uh, Celebrity Real Estate Expert. Wow. Is that how's that? I don't uh, know. Maybe sounds good to me. TV personality Todd Talbot, fan favorite Todd Talbot, A past guest, past guest. We're yes. really excited to have you back. How um, you doing? Thrilled to be back. Yeah, I'm doing great. So most of our listeners know who you are, but but for the ones that don't, yes, living under the rock. Where <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh my goodness, um, I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> um, I. Um, Started my professional career as an actor. Um, I spent, you know, close to 30 years in front of live audiences and on camera. Um, about seven years ago, I got waylaid into the to the HGTV world uh, with a show called Love It or List of Vancouver, which I co-host. Um, and we've been doing that for, like I said, almost seven years. Wow. Um, you know, the my... Uh, my passion around real estate grew and started to grow around 15, 16 years ago, um, investing in real estate in Vancouver, getting really into the renovating side, renovating, I put the wrong emphasis on the <laughs> word renovating, wow. uh, yeah. um, you know, getting into the renovation side, the design side, we started a, a marketing company uh, in town with a couple of friends of mine. Um, and so this this uh, business side of real estate grew out of just a just a fascination and a passion for it. Um, it has kind of taken over my life to a certain degree. Um, uh, hence the reason I'm on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Um, so it's not working out for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because this whole thing started with me doing a workshop for the theater community in Vancouver. This was a number of years ago. Got everyone together in a room and we had a conversation about how to take care of your finances in terms of being self-employed in this city. It was getting expensive, but there was so many people that didn't understand how the whole mechanism of real estate worked. And once you understand it, once you kind of break it down, it's not as daunting as you think it is. Um, But when you don't deal with it every day, people get very overwhelmed with it. So we had this conversation. So many people took action, which frankly is the most important component, and really set themselves up for the future. And and not that I was a genius by any stretch of the imagination, but that's kind of how I started. I wanted to, well, my whole goal in life was to retire at 45, which means this year, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, that whole real estate component was, was a big part of it. Allowing me to get that right allowed me to do the things that I was passionate about, which was doing live theater. So that was kind of your aha moment with real estate, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the tipping points for me was when my brother gave me a book about refinancing. I didn't understand that concept before. I'd never heard about it. I read this book. It was a really simple read. And I was like, wow, it just seemed to make sense in my mind. And I'd invested in a condo in Kits. Um, I was renting out the second room in order to kind of make the numbers work. So I was already a landlord uh, in my early 20s. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. And um uh, pulled some money out of that property, and then you know, and and then the fun fun began. Interesting. So, it, Todd, last time you were on, I think you were still in Lions Bay, which I, I remember looking at your the photos of your place when it yeah. when it was on the market. Beautiful, amazing place. views. Yeah, amazing space. Yep. You've moved to East Van now. 
We moved down to East Vancouver. Absolutely. Yeah. We were in Lions Bay for seven years. Um, I, I poured all my blood, sweat, and tears into that house. We did a massive renovation. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, I, you know, it would be what I would suggest some people call a dream home. You know, beautiful panoramic views, 3,000 square feet, attached two-car garage, you know, shed, you know, 1,800 square feet of deck space out front. Although I hate that term, um, the term dream home. Uh, I think on paper, that's what it would look like. In photos, that's what it would look like. But we realized that there was something wrong with that scenario for us. And so we started down this journey, which ultimately led us back to a much smaller house in East Vancouver. In fact, 1,200 square feet. What, what, before we get to, to the house in East Van, what was, have you pinpointed what was wrong about it? Because the grass is always greener, maybe. We both live in East Van and, uh, that Lions Bay, that's like one of those, like, you know, after this, I might grab a coffee and sit and think about moving to Lions Bay. It sounds like Matt amazing. Matt spends most of his days thinking about it. I was wondering what that squamish, vacant like. <laughs> squamish, somewhere where you're like, man, I bet it's slower and easier and, you yeah, know, so, I the mean, views are better. It's a complicated kind of journey that we've gone on for the last I would say two years, um, but I'll try and I'll try and you know give you the Coles notes of it. It started off with a reaction that our son had um, when he was five years old at Christmas time. Uh, his behavior was such that he was you know voracious about what he was getting for Christmas, how much he was getting. We were having meltdowns with our kids, and we realized that something wasn't right. And uh, in fact, on Christmas Eve, my wife said to me. We're canceling Christmas. I've had enough of this. And I was like, I don't think we can do that. (laughs) But we took everything out of the closet that we were prepared to put out for Christmas. um, And, you know, texted Santa Claus as well. And, um, you know, we decided to return as much as we possibly could. Anything that we could return, we, we brought back to the store. The kids didn't know anything different. And that was the turning point for us that ultimately led to this whole idea behind right-sizing, which I know we will uh, get into in a minute. But um, So we started there. And what we did was is we said to our son, we're not buying anything for our children um, until his birthday, May 19th. So five months, we put a moratorium on buying anything. And then we thought, well, we can't be hypocrites. So we will also do that. Um, you know, obviously food and clothes and necessities we would, we would buy. But, um, so that began a process of then, uh, uh, identifying what what are the stuff in the house that we were using. And we started getting rid of stuff and getting on top of that and then realizing, wait, wait a second, maybe maybe we have more space than we need in this house. And so we started to investigate this whole thing and I came up with this kind of flippant comment, what would happen if we challenged ourselves to cut our life in half? And, um, you know, I want to be careful that we are by no means minimalists. Um, although watching minimalism on Netflix was one of the things that inspired me. I, it's come up in the feed. I have not watched it. Yeah. You need to watch it even just for some underlying kind of, um, uh, themes in it. They, they take it to the extreme. Um, but I, you know, so, so we thought, well, maybe what if we lived in half the house? What if we had one car instead of two? Um, what if we had half the stuff in our house? How would that increase our experience of life, increase the dynamics inside our family, increase happiness kind of as a generalistic term? So that uh, that brought us on this journey and ultimately ended up with buying this 
little, what was marketed as a one bedroom, 600 and change square foot house that you had to go outside in order to get to the basement. So uh, it was a hugely ambitious move that swung the pendulum a long way. What year was the house, out of curiosity? 1912. 1912. Okay, so turn of the century home. Mm -hmm. And you did a full extensive renovation on it? We did what was, our initial idea was to renovate the house um, so that we could live in it um, and ultimately design a, um, a house on that lot that would ident- uh, that would basically address some of the things that we were thinking about. How can we take smart design elements with limited square footage and create a space that people didn't feel like was a sacrifice? So looking at, you know, different um, uh, ways of bringing in natural light, um, multi-purpose spaces, um, all sorts of different ideas that people are doing all over the world that we haven't really embraced in this market yet. Right. So I, I purposefully only looked for an undersized lot. So it's 25 by 100. And the reason I did that is because the investor in me knows that you need to maximize the square footage on the property. Yeah. That's the game we play in Vancouver. And so if I handcuffed myself, whatever we ultimately designed on that lot would be limited by the amount of square footage I was allowed to build. So the idea was to renovate the space, move in, take some time, figure out how that space is working for us, what's working, what's not, and then design something that we would ultimately build. This is, are you familiar with, and he's running for office now, Adrian uh, Crook, Five Kids, One Condo. I think he's taking this to the next level. Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't know him, yeah. but I do follow him on social media, and I think that, you know, he's obviously a part of this conversation. There's This is all in degrees, right? Um, mm. It's different for everybody, and I think I think what makes this conversation accessible and sometimes turns people off is when is when someone comes out and said there's a, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. This is a nuanced conversation that can be different for everybody. It's going to be different for all three of us. Um, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, and you guys would get this, working with first-time buyers. We have very um, open, frank conversations with first-time buyers who are getting into the market. We talk about money. We talk about making sure that they're responsible about that, making sure that they're investing in something that's ultimately going to be... Um, a good investment moving forward because no one buys their first place and lives in it forever. Well, very few people, unless you have five cats. I'm sorry for all those (laughs) cat people out there. Um, And, and we have these very strategic conversations about where, what's most important. And yet we let that conversation kind of drift away when young families are looking for that next step in their real estate journey. And we think, we default to this idea that, you know, having the playroom and the office and the gym and all of these ancillary things that the marketplace tells us or the media tells us we need or we see it through social media with great photos on Instagram or whatever it is. And we start to get lulled by this idea that that is going to be the solution. And when we go down that path, more times than not, and I'm sure you guys have seen it, we see people push back against it. They go, wait a second, this isn't the experience that we thought we were signing up for and that we're paying for. And people shy away from the money conversation. You know, as everybody knows, we have a 
you know, what people love to call an affordability crisis, not only in Vancouver, but in all major cities across the country. It's very tough. Right. So what are we doing about it? What conversation is positive that we can take some of the control back into the decisions that we're making as opposed to leaving it up to government? I'm not running for office, but it, it kind of sounds like it. <laughs> get, get out and vote, people. Yeah, yeah. Todd Talbot. Yeah. <laughs> so, Todd, I, we got to ask you, though, what? so now you've went from one extreme now to the next. Mm. How has life changed? Uh, well, I think there's a few elements that are a little bit more challenging, and there are some sacrifices, if you will, or compromises. But I think generally speaking, both my wife and I would – totally agree that we are way happier. Life is way smoother. Um, I feel like our priorities and our values are in line with where we're living, how we're living. And, um, and that's, I, I chalk it up to, you know, the choices that we made. And, and I'm more than willing to say that we, we made a mistake. Like this was an experiment to a certain degree. And I felt like if I was going to be out talking about this idea, I needed to actually put my money where my mouth was. So, so, and now, cause we got to get into this idea of right sizing, right? But this is so, so just so I understand you went through basically a process of where you were last time we talked, you drove in from Lions Bay. Like there's mm-hmm. some commuting involved. Mm-hmm. It sounds like some uh, materialistic which everybody, I've had a kid that is, yeah. is I mean, thinking of the wrong things on Christmas. And yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> it's, and, and it's totally normal. Yeah. I mean, environmental concerns, potentially. Absolutely. Uh, and, and this brings you to, to East Van, and now you're talking about right-sizing. So can you talk a little bit about what that term is, what it refers to? Yeah, I, a friend of mine actually came up with it um, when I was sharing this idea with him. And so I stole it. Um, it's not the first time anyone's put those two words together in the world. Um, I've Since I've been talking about it for a few years now, you know, people have uh, referred to it as smart sizing. I mean, there's all kinds of different catchy things. Uh, one of the reasons why I like that term right sizing is that downsizing gives a connotation of retirement yeah. and also sacrifice. And this conversation is not about giving something up. It's about actually getting something, but figuring out what the priorities are in order to actually, um, you know, free yourself up from the burden of that massive mortgage, from the big long commute, uh, from cleaning your house. I mean, it sounds overly simplistic, but those elements have a huge impact on people. You know, uh, maintaining your house, heating your house, like all of these things that um, sometimes we don't think through. So that's why I like the term right-sizing. The other element about it, and I think I kind of touched on it, was the fact that it's different for everybody. And it's different for people at different stages in their lives. People with young families, different requirements. You know, single person, different requirement. Retired couple, kids have gone, empty nesters, different requirements. But how do we drill down and have frank conversations about um, what that space should look, look like and how it should function? Right. You know, we, we almost constantly hear when we're talking to people, especially that have kind of moved out further to get more space um, or people that are at the point of their life where they're actually downsizing. We hear it all the time, right? It's, it's this idea of I, wanna, I don't want to have to clean, 
you know, seven bedrooms or, you know, four bathrooms anymore. I don't want the yard work. I don't want this kind of lifestyle. And they're moving to smaller space. Um, and we're hearing that a lot. And then we're also hearing on the flip side of that, people dreaming about what extra space would be like, right? Um, which is kind of an interesting, interesting side of it as well. And I, I'm, I'm reluctant, like the, the people that are dreaming for extra space when they get it, often they, you know, I don't know how many times we've sold people into larger spaces and then they've called us two years later and said, you know what, I want my condo in Yale Town back, right? right? And they felt like they've made that mistake. So is this, I mean, we always think about this kind of shift being potentially a millennial thing, you know, going opting for small space and location or potentially a downsizer thing. But this just sounds like there's this shift in terms of, of what people are looking for. Is that how you're seeing it or based on your and, conversations? And just to, just to add to that, I'm just thinking here, uh, we talk about it as a millennial thing or a downsizer thing, but it's almost like there's this middle group that actually your family falls into, right? Yeah. That is not being Everybody talked about. We're not table, talking about Yeah, millennials. everyone at this table. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's I you know, I started sharing this and kind of the groundswell and response to this conversation seems to tap into something that most people are thinking about, dealing with, wrestling with, having conversations around, but there's no there's no um uh, access for them to look at another example. Um, so that was part of what we wanted to do. But I'm fascinated with this idea that that you bring up, which is someone kind of yearning for that lifestyle that they had before they moved to that big house that they thought was right. going to fix all the problems. I, an interesting phenomenon has happened over time. So big money in real estate used to move outside the city. People wanted to be um, separate. They would move in Vancouver terms. They would move to West Vancouver where it was a little bit more elite and they could have big properties and they could build these walls with high hedges. And so I've got lots of money. I am removing myself from the core of the city. So we had that trend for a long time. And then other people kind of were like, well, I want to do that too. So people started doing that. And what we now seeing is this trend that doesn't get talked about all that much but is absolutely happening is that smart money and people who are not concerned about purchase price are actually moving back into the urban environment because these people understand that the experience of life is around being connected to community. That's what drives this whole thing. That's why people want to come back to Yelltown. Not because they can go, you know, not for that particular unit that they were living in, that might not be the perfect size, but it's the experience of being connected to people and, you know, living the lifestyle that they, that makes them feel good. And it must be connected, I think, as well to where we are now with screen time and, you know, exercise. And I, if you think about just even your life experience now in East Vancouver, and I'll, I'm just assuming this is the case, but you probably walk more, you drive less. Yeah. Um, you're, you're more involved in the community. You're, you're living in an urban center, so you probably have more amenities close by within walking distance. Has your quality of life improved dramatically, would you say? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, one thing that I can say has changed for sure is we can spend more time as a family because I'm not on the road all the time. I mean, I, I'm still doing as much as I was before, but my commute time is cut down um, you know, when we were living in Lines Bay, I would stay out between events or activities or, or whatever and not go home because it didn't make sense. Now I can go home. 
I can pick my kids up from school. And that, those kind of subtle things make a huge difference for people. For, for me, the, the three elements that we are moving toward, um, not only from an affordability standpoint, but also from a sustainability standpoint. And some people might not like to hear this conversation um, because they believe that they should have their 33 by 122 lot in the city. Though That ship has sailed. Whether they like it or not, this is what is happening. There's no turning back from this. And we need to smartly densify, which we are doing, you know, in in steps in this city. We also need to be more walkable and we need to have our amenities, you know, robust around us. Those are the three elements that are going to make our cities sustainable moving forward not only from an environmental standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint. There's like, it's an unarguable, unarguable. Is that even a word? Um, it's a Chris get on that. Yeah. 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 Google that. Somebody. <laughs> Google that. <laughs> but you know, like this trend is happening, whether you like it or not. So you're either going to get on board with it or you're going to be forced to get on board with it. And I think young people, they're not going to bat an eye at this. Yeah. You know, they want flexibility. They don't want to be tied to a property. They want flexibility to be able to live their lives and come and go. Jobs are changing. No one's locking themselves down to one idea over and over, you know, for years and years and years. This is, this is the, you know, man, I sound old. This is the way of the future. It's it's actually, it's funny because when you talk to a millennial, you start to think that the the death of the single family house is is definitely occurring. Nathan Loster is onto something. Nathan Loster is onto something. It's that idea, right? Is I, like I know millennials that will live in a closet if they mean if it means that they can stay in the area that they want to be. They in, don't right? want to buy a car. Well, and yeah. also even well, people, exactly. uh, yeah. you know, that we work with, where you're saying that can potentially even afford us afford a single family home that don't want it. They're like, no, 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 that's not for me. Yeah, and you're like, you know, younger people where you're like. But that's the best investment. They're like, no, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, like that happens now when it didn't happen before. Yeah. And uh, we always think in the investment side of things, just because that's how we've kind of trained well, yeah, ourselves yeah. to yeah. think. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, you will see millennials are choosing lifestyle over even what might be the smartest investment. It's, it's, it's so such a lifestyle driven. And, and if I can jump age in group. that from that investment lens, which is you know always running in the background for me as well. One of the things about smaller spaces is that you can actually put more money into them. So you see someone renovate a 3,000 square foot house and you walk through it and you're like, this is the crappiest job ever because they spread their budget across this whole thing. We've all walked into those houses that are slapped together because they're trying to go to that lowest common denominator. But if a smaller space, you can actually... Um, have more technology in that space. You can have higher design elements. And so that is going to be the challenge that that developers and builders and designers and architects are going to be tasked with is how to make that functionality fantastic, high quality. And as people want that more, I mean, it's simple supply and demand. It's funny. That's what's going to drive the investment. Well, yeah, I think that's that's actually a really good point. That something that we haven't actually talked about on this podcast is that idea of how how far the renovation can go in a smaller space, um, and kind of what modifications you can make in a smaller space as well, just to make it more more livable. Mm-hmm. We were in Japan, uh, I think, about a year ago in Tokyo in a in a hotel room, and the thing was like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Like it had everything in about 350 square feet and we were like this is insane like this is our lifestyle is fantastic in this in this i mean granted we were there for two weeks right living in this space for two weeks but in reality though 
people are doing it all over the world. It just hasn't yes. really come to Vancouver in the way it, I think it will. Right? That, it, it absolutely will. Uh, one question uh, that I have for you, Todd, because it does seem like it strikes me people say call it under 35 or under 30 are, are going to are sort of driving the transition and then there's some older folks that are, are moving back you seem to have moved from a large space with two young kids like your kids at the time were like what five and six yeah, yeah. five and six that to me seems scary as all hell to to actually you know one it's one thing to think about making that change it's mm -hmm. another thing to do it mm -hmm. um can you kind of talk a little bit more about that process like was there any what were the hiccups along the way and and it sounds like you guys just you're super happy you did it but yeah that that would be scary for a lot of people yeah and i mean i think 1200 square feet isn't going to be the perfect scenario for us um in the long run i think we're going to need another bedroom uh because right now my kids share a bedroom but they the, the phenomenon of that is interesting. So they had these two beautiful bedrooms in Lions Bay. And, you know, they've got their own space. It was beautifully designed and everything. And they are much happier sharing a space. Now, that's where they're at kind of age-wise. They're buddies. Um, the smaller space also has contributed to, like, if you have young kids, you know that kids want to be with you. Yeah. So, like, in Lions Bay, if we were in the kitchen, they were there with us. They weren't in the playroom. They weren't in the TV room. They weren't uh, elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, good point. They were in, they were with us. And so, my daughter, who loves being close to us, um, loves this scenario because we are close to each other. And generally speaking, you're living in a space with other people because you want to. Yeah. You know, um, if you don't want to live with them, then that's a whole nother uh, conversation. But th I think that there are some softer elements, some nuanced elements that contribute to it. You know, do my kids make comments about, you know, well, we could have that if we lived in a bigger house. Yes, they throw that in our face from time to time. But, you know, ultimately, when they grow up, they're never going to look back on this experience and go, wow, my parents made us suffer. Yeah, you know, I wish we had a den. Like yeah, that. that's yeah. not going to be the and, conversation. You know, I mean, one of the things, like, Ashlyn has her birthday coming up. Yeah. So, you know, she's got a bunch of friends who are going to come over for um, part of the birthday. But we're also doing, like, that, you know, big family gathering where there's 18 to 20 people. Well, we're going down to the drive. We've, uh, you know, booked a space for 20 people at, at uh, Lombardo's. Give them a shout out. And, uh, you know, we don't have to cook, first of all, which right. is fantastic. Right. And two, we don't have to clean up afterwards, all those great things. But, you know, could we host 20 people in our space with a bunch of kids running around? Probably not. So it's a little bit of a trade-off, but I, I think it's great. Yeah, well, imagine growing up in the commercial drive area. And it's a great, sorry, sorry to jump in, but as a parent, it's great to have leverage against your kids, like some sort of rationale why not to buy something. So we just be like, we don't have space for it. Yeah, and it kills the conversation right there. Right. I want that. No, we. Uh, I, I. This isn't gonna fit. And it's like, okay, well, Fine, it's staying in how your about bedroom. Some, how about some Lego? <laughs> yeah. um, interesting article came out the other day about um, about allocating space to bedrooms um, because you know people have been building these home offices, which I had one, arguably the best home office anyone's ever had, and I rarely used it. Uh, because where do you do your work? In bed. 
You got or at computer. the kitchen table. I, oh, I feel like I, it's like you, you walk past the office to the kitchen table for right. some reason. Yeah. So looking at designing spaces and allocating square footage towards how we're actually using our space. Not in the fantasy world of how we're using it, but how we actually use it. It's, it's also, and I mean, I, everybody's in different careers will have different requirements, but I mean, I do a lot of my work off my phone now, just even all my emails, everything. I mean, yeah. and, and my laptop, of course. But the idea of like a stationary, like I, we have we have desktops at our office. We have like mission what? control type desktop. desktops. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. We oh, have, yeah. You got to try We're going to have to end You got to try You got to try it. This is not fit with the right size of yeah. thing. Yeah. I yeah. thought we had a conversation about this. <laughs> so, wait. So, but, you know, one thing is, is and, and here's a transition because anyone who's ever sat across the table from Todd Talbot knows that this guy is uh, too good looking to be in real estate. Oh, my. He's, which is why you're the celebrity realtor. But, uh, That's why I, I understand to be on this show, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand you're uh, you're using a new fitness app, and I want to hear about it. Okay, so when, when I came in here, I was carrying a coffee with almond milk and a banana. It was that's my life now. Um, but uh, for all of you out there listening, I was sharing about the whole life challenge, which is what I'm doing right now. So break it down for Matt because he really needs. It. I'm, uh, I'm right. an aspiring. <laughs> Uh, Todd Talbot right. type person. So, More energy and I've given in up. better shape. So, so, so. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's busy, which is all of us, especially busy parents, busy business, all those kinds of things, it's tough to stay on top of your health. And um, this is a holistic um, look at seven elements of your life every day. So it is, everyone gets, you know, waylaid by the by the nutrition component, which is what you're eating. So the whole life challenge looks at the food, which for me is no wheat, no sugar, no dairy, wow. um, one glass of alcohol a week, no beer. So that's a toughie, um, and it's for six weeks. And it's a game. You're just playing a game with yourself, really. Um, so there's nutrition, water, sleep, exercise, stretching. I'm going to the gym after this, by the yeah. way. Um, and um, what are the other ones? Oh, uh a rotating challenge. So the first week was, um, or this week, I can't even remember what the first week, see, this is what we learn about ourselves. <laughs> so we block these things out. This week is having fun, which is something that I'm not great at scheduling in something that qualifies as fun. So you go do something fun each day, which is a crazy concept. Um, last week was decluttering, yeah. which fit with my whole, you know, um, soapbox moment. De- decluttering for decluttering. fun. No, no, yeah, decluttering for fun, which, you know, I would try and rationalize. But that was like decluttering emotionally, decluttering your inbox, decluttering your closet, your your, your filing system, whatever. Um, it's kind of just a way to kick your own ass and, and be conscious about your health. Are you, um, it strikes me, Todd, that you're, uh, and it, you you have a lot more energy than a lot of us, for sure. But, I mean, the move to East Van is kind of this aspirational in this in this new way the app is kind of aspiration you're always looking for your better you is that kind of just part of your personality or or yeah i mean no i guess not to get too heavy about it but i think you know my challenge is to always look at how to be i guess the best me as possible um and that um primarily focuses like the first lens that i look through is through my family yeah so you know my my relationship with my wife and um making sure that that gets the attention that it needs and we're very proactive in that 
regard. And we've got a therapist that we go and see to make sure that we're, you know, it's like going to the gym, um, making sure that I'm spending time with my kids um, and, and working backwards. You know, we started this whole conversation off around, you know, what kicked off kind of this whole right-sizing idea. And, uh, you know, it dawned on me this weekend that it's through the eyes of our children. You know, it's tough to get motivated sometimes. Um, but for me, it was seeing uh, what my kids were experiencing, what they were going through, which really lit a fire under my ass to do something. Uh, in the health region, right? I want to be healthy for them. I also want to raise them in an environment that gives them the best opportunity in life. Right, and kind that of modeling. To yeah, and that doesn't thing. mean buy them everything that they want. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I'm in a very luxurious position where, you know, essentially we have the capacity to do that. And even being on television, people send us stuff. We just get offered stuff for free. It's a it's a beautiful position to be in. So it's challenging to state your values out front and work your ass off to stick to them. Um, but it is through family that I look through, you know, at it first and then kind of work backwards. And, and that challenges me, you know, like to, to, um, uh, evaluate what I'm doing, what I'm sharing out in the world. And, and, uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that you guys would spare, you know, some airtime to to be able to have this conversation because it's easy for people to get out there and just kind of pitch certain things that have, you know, a big monetary um, sure. win on the other side. And um, yeah, so... There's no monetary wins here, Todd. No, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you knew that don't, coming Don't worry in. about that. Yeah, but you yeah, knew yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can have another cup of coffee if you like. Right. Uh, yeah. No, it's uh, great coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, I mean, we had you on uh, the first time talking a lot about kind of, and I remember you mentioned how you helped a lot of other actors invest and, and that was kind of a passion of yours. The market's shifted considerably since then. Uh, there's been, you know, the stress tests, uh, a lot of government intervention. It strikes me as part of this idea of right-sizing is is kind of taking back some control over uh, the issues that face Vancouver. What are your thoughts on the current state of the market and what's going on? And, you know, what advice would you have people that are kind of listening in and and wondering, is now the right time to be thinking about real estate here in Vancouver? You know, just general kind of thoughts on, on the state of affairs. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone starts off this answer with, I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, I, I, think, I think I do have a crystal ball to a certain degree. Um, because I tend to look at the trends in real estate from a longer term perspective. The way that I invest in real estate is buy and hold by nature. That's what makes me feel most comfortable. I also think it it has the least risk attached to it. So um, I also like to listen to people give advice who who do what they say they're talking about. And for me, I'm heavily invested in the greater Vancouver real estate market. Um, I have been for a long time and I will continue to be. I have no no interest, nor do I see any signs to change that formula. Um, I think that the fundamentals that drive the real estate market in Vancouver, generally speaking, are strong. They're going to continue to be strong. As long as we're making smart choices about how we are shaping our city, people will want to live here. It will increase over time exponentially. We have things that a lot of people around the world don't have. Clean air at the moment, 
um, you know, barring some weeks in the south. I mean, we we have to be conscious about that. But yeah. you know, generally speaking, we have clean air, we have lots of natural resources, water, all those types of things, which I know sound you know funny to talk about but they are going to be the things that we trade on and um you know we have a banking system and a political system that keeps this is why people invest here yeah so is that changing you have to ask yourself first and foremost and the answer for me is no um so i still think people are going to be investing in this area we're also limited by space so from a supply and demand perspective i don't see that going anywhere are there going to be fluctuations in the market absolutely we're seeing it right now you know this has been there's always people out in the world who are going to be doomsday um and those people are normally the people who sit on the sidelines and point fingers those are the people who don't take responsibility ultimately for their you know their their own future and my whole thing about real estate look long term take responsibility for yourself take responsibility for the things that you can control so what you're buying um how you're structuring that from a financing standpoint being responsible around that Understanding what sacrifices you can make now in order to have the gains that you need in the future to be able to step up that proverbial ladder, all of those elements. If you do those things right, then you're not going to have an issue. It's when you get cavalier about it or you think that you're going to make $100,000 in six months. Those days are over for now. They might return, but... um, but I would suggest for most people to ignore those things. Right. Think long term. Um, I also think that this isn't a bad thing for the market. Um, affordability is a funny conversation because it kind of lumps two ideas together. It, uh, it talks about kind of general affordability, but it also I, it addresses that um, the element of um, subsidized housing. And so I think it's important to separate those two ideas, but from a general affordability standpoint, you know, it's given us a little bit of a breather, although interest rates are playing a part into that. So people who don't do this often don't quite understand that, you know, purchase price is not necessarily the most thing to get the biggest thing to get fixated on. It's, you know, the, the financing side of it. Right. Um, so I tell people always make sure you've got the money part of it sorted out. Um, I also recommend to people, you know, buy as close to the core of the city as possible. Um, look for those elements that give you the best long-term investment. And over the next five, seven, 10 years, I think you're going to be in a great position. The other side of the coin is the rental market is still extremely strong, if not problematic, um, in its strength. Uh, and so, you know, looking for opportunities where people have multiple ways to cover their butts, right? So if you can't live in that place for some reason, because the market takes a turn, can you rent it out? Can you cover your costs that way? So it's a very strategic conversation. It's not that pie in the sky, you know, fantasy dream home BS that we get into all the time. It's strategizing the biggest investment you're going to make, or, you know, your secondary investment, if you're going to get into investing in real estate as well. So I don't know if that answers your question but <laughs> yeah. no it's, a, it's that's a that's a great answer and it's funny because it's timely we've had a few people reach out just asking for typically millennials that we we have a lot of guests on here that have been maybe investing in real estate for 30 40 years and uh 
Which when you they call boomers, yeah, boomers. Yeah, <laughs> um, but boomers, and when they bought, they bought at a much different time. I'm not saying it wasn't expensive for boomers when they bought their first property. I'm not saying it wasn't risky because I'm I'm sure it was. But the the climate that we're dealing with right now in terms of buying a a, a property in Vancouver, in terms of where it is valued in in the global scale and in within the Canadian context. It's a very expensive city, especially mm. when you're a young person trying to get ahead based on what your salary is. So we've had a lot of millennials kind of reaching out. And I think that's great advice in the sense of having the A, B, and C kind of exit plan as well, mm-hmm. uh, or the plan that, you know, if I can't afford my mortgage payments, if I lose my job, if there's a scenario that, that takes me out of the, this position I'm in, I can rent it out and I can mm. care, cover my costs. Mm-hmm. Or you know, But do you have any advice? Like, what, what do you tell people that are... are you know, under 30, looking at this market, trying to make sense of it. Do you have any advice for millennials? Um, well, I, I guess the first thing would be, you know, what is your time horizon? You know, what what are your goals? Are you, are you going to um, buy something that's rentable, first and foremost? Because chances are, at this point in your life, you don't know if you're staying in Vancouver, you're going to move to Toronto, London, whatever. Um, so rentability, I think, is a huge factor because you don't want to be at the mercy of having to sell in a market that, isn't timed right for you. Um, I think that there's an opportunity to buy. Do I think it's right now? Um, you know, what, what's the date right now? Just so we clock this. It's uh, October sixteenth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, our mom's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, mom! Happy birthday, mom! <laughs> amazing. She, she's the only happy one that birthday. listens, by the way. So. <laughs> She'll be very excited. We'll be, we recorded this podcast. I'll be over later, mama. <laughs> um, <laughs> singing Telegram. I got my yeah. I got my suit in the car. Thanks for clarifying, Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I think um, I think that a smart strategy to invest in real estate especially when you're younger, you've got a long time horizon, you're smart. You're not looking for the home run. I think just, you know, take that out of the equation. Um, and I think that uh, look look for areas that you can, like when I first bought, I, I bought a two-bedroom condo and I rented the other bedroom out to my buddy. So we both lived kind of for half of the, um, you know, the, the monthly mortgage and maintenance and taxes and all that kind of stuff. Um but I still do believe that it's a great investment, um, right? Uh, you know, especially as your principal residence. I mean, we haven't talked about the tax implications. You know, that's there's very few other vehicles in Canada that you can invest and increase that asset, and then be able to move into something else and have that money be tax free. So, and it's it's never going to be as risk free as it is currently when you're under forty, in terms of. Just making investments, I think. I mean, I think like, you know, they say when you're 70, you should be saving 70% of your your, your money. It should be, you know, liquid and not invested. Yeah. 60, I think it's 60%. It goes basically by the age category. But under 40, you can usually typically afford yeah, especially to... especially if you're single. It's yeah, like, you can afford to, to, to make, you know, you want to make good decisions, but you can afford to get to get back on on the right path. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think people are going to make huge mistakes in the Vancouver real estate market or or greater Vancouver, but two two quick points for someone who's looking to get in. Number 1 is really take your time. I find that people rush. Oftentimes people will pull the trigger faster than they buy a pair of jeans, and it's it it boggles my mind. Like I'm a ridiculous due diligence guy. Like I will take months. Last property I bought had a two month subject removal period so that I felt 100% confident. Now, obviously couldn't do that in this, you know, hot, hot ish market, but taking the time 
to figure out exactly what you can buy and what your you know what is the right fit and working with somebody who can guide you through that process who isn't in a rush who isn't there to sell you something who just wants you to be successful um the other thing is you know us moving to east vancouver like i'm i'm very upfront about money i think that you know, more people need to talk about the financial side of this thing. We bought that house for 1.175, which I think statistically was at the peak of the market. Like it was crazy hot. We we outbid, you know, four other parties, I think it was, to get this property. And I still think there was value there. Um, I watch, and then, you know, we probably put fifty to $70,000 into the renovation. And this house is totally livable. We live in the city. I watch people spend more money than that outside the city and complain to me that they couldn't stay where they wanted to be because they couldn't afford it. And I'm like, you just don't know. You didn't get the right information. Someone didn't explain to you the options. You didn't look at this from a creative standpoint. You didn't have somebody working with you or take the time to understand what different scenarios you could play out and make it work. Could you have spent a little bit more, stayed in the city and had a coach house at the back of the property and had, you know, rental suite in the basement and been able to do that for the first five years? And then, you know, these types of conversations sound very logical to people who think about this stuff all the time. But there's a huge group of people who, who don't get it. And they think that that's the solution and the only solution. Mm-hmm. And so they move out and they spend $1.5 million on this house that ultimately, you know, maybe they're not super happy with. There's a reason the cliche is location, location, location. It's not because only because of the investment standpoint. It is because of the lifestyle. And that's where, that's where you know, I'm trying to drive that conversation back toward. So, so one last question. Well, I have two questions for you here, Todd. One is, I know you're invested in other areas, like I think Kelowna is one. Um, we have a lot of people right now looking outside of Vancouver. It's kind of an interesting thing for the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast that I feel like we're talking about areas outside of Vancouver more than we used to, that's for sure. Um, are there other areas outside of Metro Vancouver that you're really excited about right now? Um, I bought a house in, uh, just outside of Calgary, uh, fairly recently. Uh, we also bought a property in just outside of Kelowna. Um, so on a personal level, it's interesting because I bought my first two properties outside of the greater Vancouver area. I've never done that before. Um, I'm a huge believer that you buy what you know. So I've watched people buy in the States and get burned. I've watched people buy in other markets because they get tempted by an Ontario market that seems to have great rental returns because of the university that's there and they get promised all of these things. But so if you're going to invest outside of the area that you live in, you must 100% go there, be there, experience it. Um, And, you know, that's what we did. Um, I feel like, you know, I have a pretty deep knowledge base in how to go about this. So I felt like, you know, almost 20 years into the game, I was willing to stretch out but I believe that invest in what you know, and where you know is where you live. You have an advantage with that over someone 
trying to come into that neighborhood. You know the coffee shop that's doing well. You know the, you know, to throw around the term gentrification. You know the street that, you know, is the hot street to be on. You know that the that this this restaurant is opening up. You can get a sense of what's happening in the community. And that is the momentum that you're trying to buy into. But you don't know that unless you've got someone who's telling you or you've experienced it firsthand. And the only way to know it is by being there. Mm-hmm. And secondary to that, I wouldn't trust anyone who was telling you that without experiencing it. Like, like no one can make these decisions for you when you're investing. Have a great realtor, have a great mortgage broker, have a great lawyer. All of these people that are advising you are advising you, but you are responsible for making that decision. It's your money. You have to drive the bus. Don't take anyone else's word for it. Um, so my default is always to stay where you know. Um, so the, the longer answer is if this is something that you're newly getting into, stay local. Sound advice. Sound advice. Just out of curiosity, that must mean that you're somewhat bullish on Calgary coming back at some point. Do you think Uh, that market has kind of hit its bottom? Uh, again, from a (laughs) long-term perspective, I think that, um, you know, the the conditions that affect the Alberta market are driven largely by the oil industry. And they're in tough times, and they will continue to be. Um, I, what I do believe in is that they have great infrastructure in Edmonton and Calgary and some of the smaller markets, and these people will find a way. And th- it's a great place to live. I've, I've lived in Calgary in short stints. Um, it's an awesome city. It's a fantastic um, city. I'm yeah. off to actually Edmonton to the Edmonton Home Show in a couple of weeks. Edmonton's amazing. Um, so do I believe that they're going to persevere through this lull? 100%. Um, young families are still um, moving there, investing there, building their lives there, and they'll find a way through. They need to, in my opinion, diversify away from the the oil industry, which you know is going to happen. Maybe not tomorrow, but it will happen down the road. And and uh, you know, if you have a long range plan, then you should be okay. Tech, tech is a long range plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we always talk about, we just, I mean, obviously there was the Economist uh, livable cities list in Calgary uh, out, outperformed both Vancouver it was and Toronto. Number one city in North America. Number yeah. one city in North America. Was it fourth in the world? World yeah, something. Like it was, it was, it just said phenomenal. And the reality is, Matt and I both have lived, and Chris have both lived in, uh, or have all of us have lived in Calgary for stints at one point in our lives. And uh, it is a great city. There's no question about it. There's so, it has a lot of a lot of stuff working for it. So here's it. a little uh, insider, I guess, tip, um, or at least into my brain how I look at the real estate market. One of the indicators that I love to look at is the arts community. I'm slightly biased because that's where I come from, but in a vibrant arts community that is either on the upswing in terms of investment and vitality often is an indicator of where that community is at large and where the market will drive to. So Calgary is awesome. I've done a couple of shows at Theatre Calgary, at Stage West, and um, to see the people that come out and support is, I think, one of the indicators to look for that, you know, that pillar 
in terms of community development. Um, the other thing to look at the arts community is look at where the artists are living. I know it's a bit cliched, but where actors are renting and living is going to be the next cool place in the city. So what happens is, is that the actors move into these places. They make them cool. Everyone wants to go hang out there. So the people with money who are not cool go there uh, you know, eat at the restaurants, go to the bars, go to the coffee shops because they want to be a part of that vibe, part of that scene. Then they start looking at buying real estate there. And all of a sudden, you know, the the market kind of picks up in that area. And unfortunately, the artists then move on to another area of the city because they make that area cool. So if you want to see an early trend in real estate, look to where um, us cool actors are living. I, You know, I guess, yeah. Actors and hipsters is almost interchangeable because that's almost our hipster theory, eh? The uh, yeah, well, also the go in the place where the commercial space is relatively affordable to rent, yeah. and the cool restaurants I think will Mon- pop up. That's playing out in Montreal right now, right? Everybody's been flocking them. Or Montreal's at, on fire, and it's for years. I mean, it had fantastic music. It was a cheap place to be. Uh, yeah. the artist scene was phenomenal there, and. Uh, have you ever but heard you look at New York, yeah. London, yeah. Paris, I mean, all of these cities who that are you know far more expensive than Vancouver, yeah. um, have that absolute you know foundation of a cultural component to their city. And you look like we're doing this live from Mount Pleasant, um, which I, arguably the ship sailed on Mount Pleasant, but uh, but this ten years ago oh. was thriving one hundred percent of yeah. I mean from a micro scale you look neighborhood by neighborhood I mean this is yeah even in the last follow five, the follow the artists the last five years how much this area has even changed it's it's insane I mean we used to we lived here around twenty eleven and we when Adam just, was a painter yeah I was well you were a painter I was a struggling artist uh, mostly <laughs> oh, uh, mostly acrylics no no <laughs> Matt's just <laughs> making naked body Matt's on just, canvas yeah. Matt's just making stuff up oh my now. goodness I, I thought wow <laughs> yeah. we're we're really taking this yeah. in another direction I, I was yeah. gonna say you think yeah. too highly of us I think yeah, I thought yeah. that was clearly a joke I believe oh, everything on. you say <laughs> Maybe maybe we'll go out on that high note of people thinking I was a painter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cut that last part. Wow, what a button. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe we should go out on this question, uh, Todd. Are, on Love It or List It, Vancouver, can we expect you to be pitching smaller spaces to people anytime soon? Well, I think when you're in the position that um, uh, you are in as a realtor, your job is to serve the vision that your clients or the you know the people looking for a home have i think one of the things that you hopefully will hear that um will be in the show is um shedding some light on not only my experience but just shaping the conversation a little bit differently so that people look at the functionality of homes when we when we're looking at them and i can tell you that you know we're in the process of filming season five we're up way over a hundred episodes now um and we're casting for more people we're shooting in in the Kelowna area as well as vancouver this season so we're in both spots people can get online and apply um but i can tell you there's one episode in particular that i'm that i'm really excited about because um you know we do explore they came to the table with that mandate of a slightly more sustainable home, looking at space. And uh, and so we went down some interesting paths, which we'd never explored before on the show. So uh, I think I think it'll be it'll be very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. Is Quickly, this, though, is this coming out this week? This is this might be out this week. Yeah, yeah. We've just uh, looked at our in-house producer. He is, he <laughs> is nodding. nodding yes. Head. 
<laughs> well, I I want to give you guys a shout out for supporting. Uh, I was going to say House. we should talk about Covenant House very briefly. Yeah, let's you're talk sleeping about, out. Yes, so I've been sleeping out uh, doing the executive sleep out for Covenant House for uh, this will be my fourth year. So November fifteenth, a group of us sleep out in an alley. Um, in order to bring awareness and attention and ultimately raise money uh, for Covenant House. And it's done all over North America on the same night. It's a massive endeavor. Um, we all commit to raising a minimum of $15,000. So it's not just a token thing where you show up and be like, hey, I support this, you know, by name or post something on Instagram. But uh, so I roll up my sleeves and I host a... Um, a fundraiser um, every year, which you guys are coming to for the second year in a row. So Can't thank wait. you very much. Yes. Um, and that's going to be this Thursday night. So we get a whole group of people together. We have a fantastic night. And it's and it's a bunch of people who are committed to community and committed to the work that Covenant House is doing. And we have a great time. Uh, I will be breaking my whole life challenge diet that night. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Um, so that's one thing that's coming up that's uh, super exciting. And uh, if this comes out in time, I'm also going to be down at the Vancouver Home Show, the Fall Home Show this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, people, I, I love this event because people get to come down and interact, um, ask questions that they might be interested in about, you know, life on television or their renovation or their kind of thought process around where they're at, buying, selling, all those kinds of things. And so we get into this conversation around right sizing. I'm going to show a whole bunch of photos about what we went through in terms of our renovation, how, what decisions we made, all of those kinds of nitty gritty things that people are always interested in. You know, that voyeuristic idea of getting into someone else's home and and understanding that you know like we're as i hope for hopefully we're as real as everybody else we're going through the same things and um and so you know i'm on stage saturday and sunday so if people want to come down uh they can do that and if you want to catch them eating a bag of gluten on thursday night where where is that so so thursday night yeah so we're we're uh down at the kohler signatures uh let me take two <laughs> at the Kohler Signature Store, and we've got the the Fairmont is providing all of the food. Colin oh, Burslem, nice. who's the chef, I mean, he does an amazing job. We got Resurrection Spirits coming down, mixing drinks. We got Moody Ales. Oh. We got a Scotch Bar. Uh, we might be throwing some people in a shower. You guys might be thrown in a shower, bring a change of clothes. <laughs> we've got some crazy games where we're throwing ping pong balls into toilets. Um, hence the tie-in with the plumbing fixtures um and ultimately raising a bunch of money sounds like oh uh, and we got scooters and oh, mini right. ATVs. Yeah, yeah, those last, oh, yeah. last year oh, yeah, yeah. Scooters, yeah. Right? so electric scooters which i hope come to vancouver very soon um you know in terms of uh oh man i was down in i was down in um uh austin and they have the bird i don't know if you've ever been to a city that has these scooters like that are like um you know car share programs yeah, yeah, yeah. where you just you know you you um you scan the barcode on top of it, and then you scoot around the city. Unfrickin' believable. We need them here. Are, is it an electric scooter? Electric scooter. You drop it off anywhere. None of this, you like, can park station. It. I've seen anywhere. those. Even in Seattle, they have that oh, yeah. dockless. Uh, no, it's unbelievable. And I think Wait, I saw on a website that I go to all the time, them saying, yeah, that's the next thing to hit Vancouver. It's going to be... It's going to revolutionize. The electric scooter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's exciting. It is amazing. So, electric What about the one machine? wheel? As long as we still have bike lanes. Oh, yeah. Those are... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need more bike lanes. Yeah. How about that for controversial? <laughs> yeah. Everyone has been bitching and complaining about bike lanes. And I got to say that, 
you know, I'm not, I don't try to be overly political, but I guarantee you that in 20 years, we're going to look back and we're going to say bike lanes were the best thing that came to the city. And why didn't we do more? I find I you're right. It's insane that that is even, I mean, I don't think the candidates who are really chirping about it have much of a shot, but it's ridiculous that that's even part of the Oh, debate. but it's the general public, right? Like who are like chirping about, you know, traffic. It's like, you are so behind the curve yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, maybe our infrastructure is behind the curve as well. So we have to take responsibility for that. But, you know, it's coming. All this stuff is coming. There's going to be a revolution in the way that we live in this city. You heard it here first. That's yeah. right. Hey, um, we got to do the five wire. We got to oh five oh, quick right. questions oh, yeah, about, okay. uh, yeah, about yeah. Vancouver. Yeah, quick questions. That's my strong, my strong suit. <laughs> so, Todd, first of all, what... Todd Verbose Talbot. <laughs> Todd Verbose Talbot. What is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? This one. Mount Pleasant. Yeah, Mount Pleasant's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You said that last time it was this one, too. I know. It's it's all that's going on, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the next one? Favorite bar or restaurant? Um, uh, JJ Bean. I go there every day. Yeah, that's that's believable. You got a cup of it right now. Yeah, I got a cup of it right now. And when I'm eating, you know, wheat and sugar, the um, the uh, the muffin, the uh, zucchini chocolate chip muffin, warm in the morning. If you get there before 8, it's it's hot out of the oven. You know what? It's I, insane. You know what I heard this morning? Actually, I don't know if it's true. This new coffee shop, Palette. Have you guys? It's no, a, it's a Palette? very hip, hip coffee shop. Yeah, there's one wait, on. Wait, 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 wait. Is it Palette Roasters or whatever? The yeah, word? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's JJ Bean. It's like their rebrand. Oh, oh. kind of hip new rebrand. That's, that's been. I think there's been one over in Hastings. Uh, you see, we have children in Victoria and Franklin, yeah. Oh, that's been there for a long time. No, no, no. I know, but it's J.J. Bean. Oh, is I it? love it when you guys fight. This <laughs> oh, is great. Hang on a second. Yeah. Matt, that's been there for three years. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, um, no, no, no. But Palette Coffee, Palette Roasters. Yeah, there's yeah, one on, there's either one on, I think it's Camby or Granville. I was at the other day too, but it's very, very hip. And I, I've been told, like, this could be wrong, but it's it's uh, J.J. Bean's kind of rebrand. Wow. Reboot. Nice. Best sandwiches. They got some good sandwiches. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know who's got the best sandwich? Duffin's Donuts on. Uh, I know, I know, it's shocking, right? <laughs> on the corner of is it Forty First and Night? Is it Forty First? I don't. I, if yeah. you have not gone, I, to I this drive Duffin's by there donuts, all the time. That's but... right. You look at it and you think, oh, a little donut shop. Yeah. No, my friend. <laughs> you go in there and get the chicken. Torta, yeah. it's zucchini bread. <laughs> now get this. Yeah, no, I can't eat it right now, but um, but it's the best sandwich in town. Wow, chicken that... sandwich, and in the morning the egg sandwich, egg, uh, avocado. They put banana peppers in there, uh, tomato. Oh, it onion. almost sounds like mm. it's a Latin American inspired uh, sandwich shop. Yeah, they do have with a bad pieces. name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best kept secret in town. No kidding. Wow. Downtown Penthouse or Westside Mansion? <laughs> oh, well, hands down, downtown Penthouse. That, that's easy. It'll be interesting to see, One bedroom see what happens to the Westside Mansion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You well, know, in, in 10 years when we have this conversation. Yeah. Very true. No, I, I'm wondering if the people who live in the Westside Mansions are going to be interested in living in them. You know... Have you dealt with the traffic on the bridge? <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's no plan. Yeah. Like, there's no plan to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. I mean, they right. say, wow, we'll build a few more roads over there. But, you know, the development going on in the North Shore is insanity. And I know that traffic firsthand. Right. Um, 
Yeah. It's bad. It's bad if you get if you if you go against the traffic, it's uh there is no going really, against the traffic anymore. Yeah, yeah, Try and get true. off the North Shore. There was a guy we work with that's, from the that's North where Shore. It's, it's the who, most problematic. Tony was driving. There was a crash on the Lionsgate Bridge. Like, it took him like seven hours to get home or something like that. It was like oh, anyway, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. So but downtown, everybody that lives downtown there, Penthouse. It's in not fact, that bad. that's that's we're 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 looking at making that our next move. That's how this whole thing started. We were looking for a three bedroom condo in town, mm. and they don't make them. Yeah, it's well, I mean so they tough. do make them, but they're they're you know it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And if you do find them, they're ridiculously expensive. So call out to all the developers out there. What are you doing for young families to live in the city? And the townhouse, folks, is not the only solution. In fact, it's not the best solution. You know, we carve up over three stories, these, you know, minuscule floors. The functionality of that space is not great. It's like three bachelor units stacked on top of each other. Exactly. And that and does not is not conducive to, to being together as a family and having right. kind of open space and all that kind of great stuff. So, oh, yeah. Also, the cost with the strata fees on top is like, you might as well look at a house like you bought in, in uh, Grandview. Yeah, I'm, I'm rezoning, looking at multiple ways to bring in revenue in that sense, uh, I think is awesome. That might be a little bit more than people want to bite off um, if yeah, they're not sure. into that kind of development mindset. But I do think that, please, if any developers are listening, um, um, I'm all in with some new ideas about how we can keep families in the city. That's what this conversation is about. If we don't have diverse diverse people living in the city, it ain't going to be great any mm-hmm. longer. Where do you bring somebody from out of town, the first place you bring them? <laughs> um, it's for sushi. Any any sushi place in particular? You know what? We go to Britannia Sushi on Commercial Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It ain't the classiest joint, but they make great sushi, and it's super cheap, and they're fast. We go there all the time. And if we're going high-end, we're going um, Manami Manami. in Yaletown. Fair enough. And last question, and uh, it might be the app we talked about earlier, but is there something you have bought in the last year under 500 bucks that has changed your life? This coffee cup. I've spent my whole life resisting um, buying a travel mug. Yeah. And um, I'm just trying to do some little things. I used to think little things don't matter, but I would go through two, maybe three coffee cups a day, every day for, you know, however long I've been drinking coffee. So I committed to bringing this coffee cup around. And um, so far, I'm about three weeks in and i'm basically you haven't lost it yet i haven't lost it i'm basically 100 percent on it so uh yeah last time we should say last time we had you on the show you brought a a coffee cup yeah i mean you know i've been i've been honestly i've been nervous about talking about the sustainability piece in my life and in real estate because there has been so much hardcore pushback on it and i've been scared to step out there and say anything for fear that people would kind of call me out on it not only being a hypocrite because no no one's perfect, but also because um, it hasn't, you know, I just didn't know what the the repercussions would be. But I think, I think we've passed the tipping point. I mean, anyone who pushes back on where we're at environmentally is um, either just trying to get a headline or they're living under a rock. Um, and we're going to get hit, smacked across the face with this stuff. And if we don't get ahead of the curve, 
it's going to be even worse. And until, you know, when you see it through the eyes of your children, I mean, it's, it's, it's scary. And so, you know, while banning straws in the city was a wonderful step, yeah, it's like almost laughable. Um, you know, it really is about, you know, taking sushi home and why we're still in styrofoam containers and, you know, so, so it's the, it's the coffee mug that is, uh, trying to be at least a little reminder for myself. Hey, well, that's great. I'm going to go out and buy one myself. There you go. But you know what? My wife buys them, but they're not as stealth looking as that one. You that's, know what? My very, mom had this cool. one. I, I stole this idea from my mom. So this is from Moja Coffee on Commercial Drive. And they had, like, it's cool and it, and, uh, I don't know. The experience of drinking out of it, I think, is as important because I got addicted to the Starbucks coffee cup, and uh, and so it took me a couple of weeks to to get into this thing. But but now I like it. Get a, uh, my wife just got a uh, water bottle. Have you seen these? It's like glass wrapped in rubber. It costs like fifty bucks. It's like an insane. No, uh, but this and also the other the swell bottles. Yeah, have you seen yeah, the yeah. Swell yeah. I mean, those have been around for a while. Not, my not wife cheap. just bought this like collapsible one. Like you actually. It's like an accordion, so it goes, dig, 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 dig. and wow. so it, it becomes a big water bottle, and then you close it down, and it becomes, you know, you can throw it in your bag or whatever. Isn't that cool? The future is here. Yeah, yeah. Tech gadgets with, <laughs> not me. I'm like the least tech person you know. So what what else do you have, Todd? What what else is up up and coming? Exciting? Anything that you want to uh, plug or share? Well, I mean, most of the things that I share, I try and be very active on social media, especially Instagram and Facebook. So um, I try and not only answer everybody's questions, but interact with people through Instagram stories. Um, I think that's kind of the best way. It's the most authentic um, avenue, right? Like uh, there's a lot of other things that I do that are controlled by other people, right? Like network television goes through a lot of editing process and that's super fun and very cool. But uh, so to be able to share it through social media. So if you're interested in, in having, you know, being a part of that, you know, it's basically at Todd Talbot, which is pretty straightforward. Um, home show. I do a lot of charity events around the city, uh, flying back to Toronto to work with an organization called Furniture Bank, which will ultimately come West and will be a part of, uh, the charitable component here in Vancouver, which helps people with furniture in their spaces that they don't have. So people who don't have enough money basically to get furniture, um, partnered with Andy on that we do lots of cool things with that we're working on you know we're working on how to share this story of right sizing or whatever that ends up being uh, you know named down the road how we can share that better with the world and learn more about it and bring people more into the conversation um, there's so much fascinating stuff being done in other cities that we can steal from uh, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel um, so I'm in Edmonton, uh, in a couple weeks in Toronto, a few weeks after that. So it's busy. Uh, we've just launched the VGH millionaire lottery, which we've got a huge campaign for. Um, I do their time to shine gala as well. So they raise millions and millions of dollars for VGH, which, you know, is a great hospital. It serves all of British Columbia. Um, I don't know. I'm coaching hockey. 
I barely show Jesus up, which God. I'm horrible. Like it's I can't even breathe hearing My about son this. is yeah. seven years old. It's awesome. These guys are so into it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I love it. I remember that. He's collecting hockey cards now, which, you know, I got a huge hockey card collection. Um, my son's kind of kicked off his acting career. He's shooting eight days on a TV series this week. And so my wife is, you know, uh, uh, with him during that process. She's got a show coming up on Granville Island for kids. She's doing the Charlie Brown Christmas at Carousel. Oh. Oh, I'm Theater. going to that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you'll see my wife. She's playing Sally. I should know that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, she's amazing. That's where we met doing West Side Story at the oh, Arts Club kidding. Theater. So, wow. there, you know, it's a it's a busy household. That's why you don't need a lot of square footage. Because if you're busy and out in the community, I mean, what do you do? You just go yeah. back and sleep. Yeah. Who doesn't think when they go to a hotel that they're living the life? Why? It's simple. It's yeah. just an easier way of doing life. You don't need all that crap. And we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for taking the time today, Todd. Oh, man. This is awesome. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Todd Talbot, celebrity realtor, host of Love It or List at Vancouver, and all around uh, good guy. Yeah, yeah. Surprised you didn't get his autograph, Matt. You were... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I almost did for her, for my wife. Almost, not as a joke. I mean, she's a huge fan, but uh, that would have been very embarrassing for her. So I did not do that. My wife also a big fan of Todd Talbot. I think everybody's wife is probably a big fan of Todd Talbot. That's a, that's a probably a common common yeah. complaint. Yeah, um, from everybody's from everybody, from all husbands, everywhere. all husbands. <laughs> yeah, but it, uh, no, it was good. It was good having Todd on the on the program for sure. But let's not uh, spare the horses here. We better. Uh, we it's been a long episode. Hundred percent. What else do we got? We got Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. We do. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We have tons of useful information over there, including our research tools like private client services. Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. This is basically realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's the best resource out there. Sign up on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com today and create your own account. And I'm not sure if Sold prices are on realtor.ca. I know I they're coming, they're, but I'll tell you one yet. thing. This is a one-stop shop. We've been doing this for years. It's, it's way a better. way better resource. And if you're not using private client services to look for Vancouver real estate, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and I don't want to say anything bad about realtor.ca, no. but I also don't want to say anything good about realtor.ca. Because <laughs> uh, that's yeah. just how we feel. Yeah. Just we also we got that mobile app. Picture this, Matt. You're on your dockless electric scooter rideshare program you are Go on. Uh, you're you're heading to buy some legal marijuana and you see this beautiful condo building on the way all you got to do is take your cell phone point up look at the look at it you don't you just have to have the camera option just on. point your point your phone in that direction you're point gonna it see in that what's, direction. what's on the market it's amazing see, it's it called- is Amazing! It's called augmented reality. It is the future. It's here, and uh, there's it's a lot of things here in that. It's here scooters. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, and legal marijuana. What a crazy time to be oh, alive! Uh, it's very exciting, though. <laughs> very exciting. Uh, how can people get in touch with you, though? Well, hold on. Before I want to just uh, talk about the live wire very quickly here, because we have the deal of the month. Those deal of the months are getting more and more exciting all the time. Sure. And uh, and there's some deals out there, so you want to be signed up for that. 
Give me a call, too, to speak about that or anything else, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And we also have Beaker Scalina. Beaker Scalina, try him at, uh, I no longer work here because weed is legal, at uh, vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. He is, he is floated away. He's floating away. Catch him. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. That's where you want to catch him. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.